Coming up on Chasing the Natty, week 10 is here and it's crunch time everywhere in the college fantasy community. Some of you are fighting for playoff spots. Some of you crazies already have your playoffs going this week. Wherever you are, we are here to help you get ready for these matchups. As always, we'll be touching on some of those big time games and what we're looking for in them, followed by, of course, another round of your fan submitted start and sit scenarios for this oh so important weekend. All of that and more coming right after this. Caleb Williams dancing, cutting, mesmerizing run by the quarterback. Marvin Harrison, junior touchdown. Marvelous Mar. This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everyone. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. Monday morning. Oh my God, I knew I was going to mess it up. Wednesday morning. This is the Wednesday show. I'm so used to saying the Monday show after the last couple of weeks. Anyway, let's continue on with the spiel and then we'll get to the show. We are the College Fantasy Football podcast on the Campus of Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday mornings during the season at 6 a.m. sharp. If you want to support the great work we're doing here, head on over to campusofcanton.com and subscribe there with one of our stupendous tiers. You'll find everything you need for your CFF, Devi, C2C, betting, and IDP needs, including rankings, articles, projections, tools, and even more than that. You can also find me and the show on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty. Speaking of that, at Chasing the Natty account, make sure you go over there, check out the pinned tweet there. I got our survey still up for those of you who have not voiced your opinion on what we could be doing better, what you would like to see more of, stuff like that really helps us out, not only prepare for the rest of the season, but also give us some ideas on what we could be working on during the off season. It's a ton of fun. You guys help me out a ton with that every year, so make sure you go and fill that out. It takes less than five minutes. Anyway, guys, I'm back. It's great to be back on the start. Oh my goodness. It's great to be back on the start sit shows. For some reason, I've always messed up start and sit because sit start comes easier to me. And our guest today is always somebody to make fun of me for that. Um, But it's like I said, it's great to be back on the start sit shows here. It is very unfortunate that not once during the month of October have both Justin and I been able to be on the show at the exact same time. It has been crazy for both of us this month, but we have another awesome guest for you guys to hang out with today. It is Mr. Austin Nace, our resident CFF expert here at Campus to Canton. Austin, how are you doing tonight, man? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm I'm not Justin, but I think uh, I think Start Sits is an area where I, I do okay. So we'll uh, we'll see how this goes here tonight. My first time doing this particular uh, episode of Chasing the Natty with you. I think you're going to do fantastic, Austin. Again, I, I've listened to you on the tailgate and everything like that. You do always do a great job kind of explaining why you or what your thought process is when you're looking at a group of guys and deciding like how you value different ones over another. So I think you're going to provide some great analysis here tonight. 
Um, you flatter me. You flatter me. Stop of course it. I do. You're my boss. Anyway, um, we'll keep things topical here. Again, we just got the college football playoff rankings. You want to you have any quick thoughts on that, Austin? I was surprised to not see your uh, Pitt Panthers there in the top five. You know, being they ACC ACC contenders and everything like that. I don't know. I don't know what the playoff committee is doing, man. I think it's crazy. I actually think outside. I think I would have bumped. Uh, Penn State over Ole Miss like around the top 10 there but other than that I actually think they pretty much nailed the top 15 or so I think they did a really good job and we'll see over the next couple weeks you know if they continue to do a good job but I I agree with what they had tonight at least who they got in the top four you know you can argue about what order they should be in but I I think those top four are right too no I think the top four is correct I I was a little kind of confused about the Oklahoma situation because they have Oklahoma at nine and Texas two spots ahead of them even though they have the same number of losses and Oklahoma beat them head to head I get it that there's probably some level there of like, well, you watch these teams every week and everything like that. And Texas probably looks better on a week by week basis. I kind of feel like that's a stretch given that we've seen some up and down performances from Texas as well. I mean, they were tied with Wyoming uh, in that game for crying out loud. So I don't know that that was always one that kind of that, that was one that kind of that was kind of weird. Um, all the Pac-12 teams in the top 25 is pretty crazy as well. But it's it's weird that they did that. They put all those Pac-12 teams in the top 12, and then neither of the top two Pac-12 teams between Oregon and Washington are in the top four. Like They clearly think resume matters because they put Ohio State number one because of the, the wins that they have over Notre Dame and such, which, again, legit wins, awesome, like that. They are probably the most deserving team based on resume, but if resume matters, then how did Oregon and, like what what major win does Florida State still have? I mean, they have LSU, of course, but at the same time, like that's not as good of a win as we thought starting the season there. So it's always fun to debate. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because it, there's still four regular or there's four weeks left in the regular season. I mean, Georgia and Michigan both have massive games coming up, which I so that's why I always chuckle at the the stuff before the season where people are like, oh, Georgia's schedule is so easy. This happens every year where people talk about how easy Georgia's schedule is. And then always, without fail, there's at least one to two top 10 matchups that kind of spring up during the year that nobody really saw coming during the year. And then people are like, oh, Georgia's schedule suddenly got much harder. I'm like, yeah, I know it was going to happen every single year. Anyway, enough of that rant. Any more thoughts on it, Austin? Uh, well, you're talking about resume. The weakest resume in the top four is, is your Bulldogs, right? Yeah, probably. I, I think so. I think if you had to yank a team out of there and you just blindly put their resumes on paper, I think that would be the team you swap out for, uh, I, I guess, Washington at this stage. I, Oregon's a better team. I I think Oregon ends up, Washington will drop a game. Or, Oregon will fall ahead of them. I don't, so many games left to play that I'm not, I don't, I don't ever get too caught up in like the first or even really second playoff rankings really and like i'm not offended at all that you said that like georgia probably could slot in at number five like i don't care i don't care we got four game we got four games left for all of these teams and everything they're gonna have their chance to prove that they belong in the top in the top four there like it doesn't matter it it really doesn't matter at the end of the day but it's fun it is fun to discuss at the end of the day and it's always fun to try to figure out what's going on in the heads of the committee so you can know what, what comes later on anyway enough of all that i got one little segment here that I thought it would be fun to do because tonight is Halloween. Happy Halloween to all who celebrate out there. And Austin, I wanted to ask you, it's playoff season for CFF. You're either fighting for a playoff spot at this point or you are already in playoff as we are in, our, in Nate's crazy dynasty league where we had 12 people make the playoffs, so we had to start a week early there. What playoff scenario or rest of season scenario scares you the most 
for college fantasy over the next four weeks? Like, what what would be the thing that like really would kind of grind your gears over the next four weeks? The scenario that scares me the most because I think it's the most difficult to predict is if some of these uh, playoff contending teams drop a game or two and they're high-end CFF guys that are probably going to go early in the draft decide to sit out to end the season. Mm -hmm. That's always my big worry, guy. And really the ones this year, like Marvin Harrison Jr. is the big one for me and not necessarily competing for the playoff, but Caleb Williams as well, who I know doesn't play week 13, but um, you know, I have a couple teams that are really leaning on him at quarterback. So those are always the ones that scare me the most. Like if those guys sit out, like it just, it, it kills you. And it's, there's, there's no predicting it really. Yeah. The only way I could really see them at this point getting away with that is if, you know, they get banged up with an injury and it's like two weeks left in the season. They're just like, ah, screw it. Like, we'll just say he's injured for two weeks and that's it right there. And that, that happens, but I, really think that a lot of people kind of lean into that a little bit too much at the end of the day most of these guys are competitors like yeah they keep in mind the money they keep in mind that like there's always a risk but you know they play a game that they love they're not look a lot of them are not looking for reasons to sit out they picked the school they did for a reason whether it was money or just love for the team and regardless they have incentive to play now that's one thing i think that kind of gets lost in all this is that like people are like oh caleb williams should sit the rest of the season i'm like why He's got NIL deals that, again, whether legally or not, basically contend on him playing. Like, they they bet on him playing those games. So he's going to want to give those people who gave him money, really, their money back. And so, I don't know. I'm not super worried about it. Again, I think there'll probably be one or two players. But I feel like the college football miasma, the zeitgeist right now, isn't ready for players to start sitting the rest of the regular season bowl games. I think people kind of understand it a little bit more. There's a lot of prep time that goes into it that they could be working on for the draft. At that point, there is really the opportunity to kind of get a sneak preview of what your team could look like next year. Do you have the pieces now to compete next year? Or does it give you an idea of like, okay, we sucked in the bowl game because we were missing piece at this position. Those are the ones we need to target in recruiting or in the transfer portal. I think people are a bit more understanding of that, but Regular season games, I don't think we're. I don't think it's going to happen quite yet. If it makes you feel any better, Austin, it doesn't. I'm still. It keeps me up at night every night. I well, speaking, of things, speaking of things that keep me up at night, uh, the run that Ollie Gordon has been on the last three weeks has been absolutely insane. RB one, not not a RB one, not a top twelve running back. The RB one the last three weeks for this college fantasy football season it is he's just been an absolutely insane after basically doing nothing to start the year this oklahoma offense has just out of nowhere clicked everywhere and ollie gordon has been at the center of it my biggest fear is the fact that i do not own a ton of ollie gordon because i saw the treatment he was getting from gundy over the offseason i'm like uh oh and i heard a lot of the buzz about elijah collins i'm like uh oh maybe I hold off on him. Let somebody else take the shot. And to start the season, I felt really good about it. I'm like, okay, this Oklahoma offense or Oklahoma state offense sucks. Like that's great. I was right to, I was right to move away from him. Well, shoot. Now he's gone 45 plus fantasy points in the last three weeks. And if he does that throughout the rest of the season, which there's a small chance that he does, but at the same time, I would have said that there's a small chance he was going to do it three weeks in a row. Regardless, if he continues this reign of terror, like, I'm screwed in so many of my fantasy leagues because he will carry a ton of people to championships if that's what he's going to do over the next couple of weeks. So I'm kind of hoping that he slows down quite a bit over the next couple of weeks. 
but we'll definitely see. That BYU matchup in week 13 is just like... It's just staring at all of us in the face. If you get there, that's that that that's that's good stuff right there. Yeah, unfortunately, I think the only Ollie Gordon shares I have are in best ball. All my regular season leagues, by the point out, by the time I was drafting them, I was just like, ah, eh, I'll let somebody else take the shot on Ollie Gordon. But we'll definitely see. Anyway, let's go talk about some of these matchups this weekend. Enough to talk about the future here. Let's go look at some of these matchups. We got a ton of great matchups this weekend. We got four top 25 team or games that we'll look at here. And then there's one rivalry game that I think, given the way one of the teams is playing, probably should also be a top 25 team. I, I, again, maybe they made it into the playoff top 25. I didn't see the bottom uh, five of that one. But let's start with this first one here. Kansas State, number 25 Kansas State, going to number seven Texas. Texas, the four-point favorite here, over under a 51, the noon game on Fox here. This game is interesting to me in a couple for a couple of reasons. One, we're going to get Malik Murphy again this week, who did not perform super great last week against BYU, which should have been a pretty good, solid matchup there. Again, 16 for 25 last week, 170 yards, two touchdowns, just a very mediocre performance all around, 12 and a half fantasy points. Didn't run a ton like I thought he might in that game. Maybe, again, they're they're not wanting to run the quarterback a whole ton because of how thin the position is for them at this point. But again, you got Texas. They still beat BYU handily last week. They're coming against a red-hot Kansas State team here. Kansas State has allowed three points over the last two games against Houston and TCU. Now, granted, those are two offenses that are struggling big time. But this Texas offense, like again, they have nice pieces. But if you have a quarterback back there, Malik Murphy, who maybe isn't as good as we think he is, this game gets a lot more interesting to me. Again, maybe in a fantasy point of view, you know, get an over under 51, not the greatest matchup in the world, but just from a college football perspective, like this could be a game. I think Texas could easily drop here. Yes. They're playing at home. I think that'll give them an advantage right there as well. But like I said, Kansas state's red hot. They're not that big of a, big of a dog here. I don't, if I, if I was making picks this weekend, I might go Kansas state over Texas because that's just what happens usually here at the end of the season. What do you think, Austin? Anything that kind of stands out to you in this game? Not not that much stands out. I think, you know, Kansas State, they've been so hot. This this almost feels like a spot where they just don't really show up on the road. <laughs> like, I could just see this, like, like being like a 20 to 12 game or something and never really looking like Kansas State's going to win. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, I I mean, the, the over-under is 51. I, I'm probably going to actually put some money on the under there. Because I, I think Texas is going to struggle to move the ball. Malik Murphy was really bad last week like straight up i thought i thought he looked really really poor and i do like the one thing that i think people look at him and think that he can provide them like for fantasy a solid rushing floor he started 26 games in high school and he only had 104 rushing yards in those games like he's really not much of a rusher he doesn't want to and i actually don't think he's very athletic so I think that really helps game plan against them at this point. Not that Quinn was running around everywhere, but Quinn's also a lot better than Malik Murphy. Yeah. Like I think if you keep Xavier Worthy and company in front of you and make them like dink and dunk, I think Texas will really struggle this week. I, I actually am kind of scared to start anybody on either side of this game in any sort of fantasy matchup. And yeah, I, I could see this being a re- you know, 17-13 type game. I mean, if you're talking dink and dunk, I feel like it's still fair to then start Jonathan Brooks, given his receiving prowess that we've seen from him over the last couple of weeks. I mean, 
the Steve Sarkeesian or top running back typically catches a ton of balls out of the backfield anyway. So if, like you said, Worthy and AD are taken away downfield, like it feels like in a PPR league, Brooks should still be in for a pretty pretty sizable game there. So I think he's probably Jordan the Jordan only Whittington week. Jordan Whittington oh, week. Of we course. get one of those every year. Of course, you're right. You know what? Maybe, maybe. But again, I, I feel like Brooks is probably the only safe Texas player to play here. Kansas State, it's already kind of difficult to guess like what's going to happen there. I mean, even the quarterback position, like I love Will Howard to start the year, but like, man, they're, they're really trying to boot, get Avery Johnson in there as much as possible. Now, I think that might change this week a little bit because it's Texas, because it's a tougher matchup than TCU or Houston. They don't need to mix him in as much. You want to have a consistent quarterback out there. So maybe this is a better week for Will Howard. But like you said, the scoring is probably going to be low in this game anyway. So you're probably not loving the idea of starting uh, Will Howard at quarterback anyway. All right, let's move on to another game here. This one, 330 CBS game. Missouri at Georgia, number 14 versus number one. Georgia, the 15 and a half point favorite in this game, over under a 54 and a half. I personally think I was kind of shocked when I saw that over under because this to me, I think personally, is going to like the score is going to end like Georgia 41, Missouri 28. I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. I am specifically looking at Luther Burden. There's going to be people out there who are sitting there thinking like, oh, do I really want to start Luther Burden against this Georgia defense? Yes. Yes, you should. I think Luther Burden is going to be in for a monster game this upcoming weekend. He is a dude that can out-athlete all those guys that Georgia has in the secondary. He is going to find the end zone in this game. It's the same way that Marvin Harrison Jr. was able to take advantage of Georgia in the game against Ohio State last year. There's just talented dudes out there they are going to find the end zone no matter who you put them up against. Luther Burton is going to be one of those dudes, especially, again, he, again, he was heavily recruited by Georgia. He, not that they, Georgia spilled all their secrets, but he is very familiar with the kind of process they do over there and everything like that. I am, again, I think that's kind of the game we're looking at here. Very high scoring game. The other part that's kind of interesting to me is, does Carson Beck, start to become a little bit more fantasy relevant down the stretch. And the, to me, the one thing that is missing is just the touchdown numbers. He has the passing numbers to produce a solid fantasy week every week. Out of the last four games, he's hit over 300 yards in four of them, which I don't know the last time we can say a Georgia quarterback could do that. And shoot, in a shootout, in a game that has potential to get sh- very shootout-ish like this game, I think that he might even hit 350-plus in this game, the main problem is that once they get down to the red zone, especially within the five-yard line, it's a handoff to Kendall Bolton. It's a handoff to Dejon Edwards, and those guys suck up all the touchdowns right there. That's why you've only seen Carson hit three touchdowns over the last five weeks twice. So does Kirby kind of let him get a bit more scoring opportunities? If so, could be kind of fun to start him in this game and some of the games down the line for Georgia. It's just... I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see. Austin, any thoughts on this game? What are you thinking, man? I, I wanted to ask you, do you think that uh, McConkie will be as involved this week as he was last week? I mean, not that there's any reason for him not to be, but since he's come back from that injury, he hasn't, before this past week, really been you know like a guy that they've been hyper-targeting. But last week, seven targets, six catches, 135 yep. yards, a touchdown. I actually expect kind of a similar game from him this week. I have him on a roster, too, and I, I think I'm rolling him out there, and I, I feel like kind of okay about it weirdly without Brock Bowers I think with the passing volume that you're seeing Georgia have I mean they've hit 35 
um, 35 plus passing attempts in two of the last three games. And even when they aren't, aren't hitting that, you, like I said, you still see Carson Beck put up the yards you need to. They are starting to funnel the targets a little bit more to guys, especially without Brock Bowers out there. The two names that have really started popping up with the target numbers are Ladd McConkney, as you mentioned, especially him being a deep threat. And then Dominic Lovett, the transfer from Missouri, who we'll see, we'll see what they plan to do with him in this game. Obviously, Missouri is super familiar with this game, but he is a very talented dude. He is a very athletic guy. I heard a lot of great things over the offseason from him. Without Brock Bowers there in the slot, you will see Dominic Lovett get a little bit more involved because, again, he's where you typically look for Bowers. And again, Oscar Delp is Oscar Delp. I think he's a talented guy, but he's not Bowers. Love it, actually, in terms of playmaking ability, is probably closer to Bowers than Delp will ever be. So I think both Lad McConkey and Dominic Lovett, if they're in that kind of bottom, that next year, like you have your clear guys that you start every week for fantasy and everything, but if, you're, if you have like an extra flex spot or like that third wide receiver option where you're in, in a deeper league and you're like, all right, I can put out some guys that I kind of feel good about, I think Lad McConkey and Lovett kind of both fit into that category. Where, you know, they're not, you're not feeling 100% about it, but you can put them out there given the passing volume that Georgia has been giving out. And I think both of them will be mostly fine for you. It's just a matter of do they find the end zone? That's the big, big issue with this Georgia passing game for fantasy purposes is the touchdowns just aren't there compared to some of the other passing games like Washington, USC, things like that. And I wish I had a dollar for every time you recommended Dominic Lovett to me. I would probably be able to retire by now. And I really like giving you a hard time about it. So. No, it's all good. Again, like I've had, I've had some really rough luck on in terms of recommending again the Kendall Milton thing. That's gonna that's gonna be a that's gonna be the biggest like what could have been because I again I've seen what that man can do. It's just he could not stay healthy and he still can't stay healthy. He's he's out there. He's playing hurt. It sucks. Anyway. Um, any other thoughts I have on this game? I'm pretty much done. You ready to roll, Austin? I'm ready to roll on. All right. One SEC game, not to another. We're going to go to the ABC network here at 3.30, and we're going to go to Bedlam. This is the match I talked about earlier where not a ranked v. ranked matchup, but given how well Oklahoma State has been playing recently, it feels like a ranked v. ranked matchup. Again, this Oklahoma State team really has put together their offense over the last couple of weeks. Again, on the back of Ollie Gordon, Oklahoma coming off of their loss against kansas what do we think here austin is this a bounce back game for oklahoma they got a fight for that playoff spot they already got the one loss no more room for error or does kansas beat them twice and they go into Stillwater? they're playing away from home they get caught off guard for the second week in a row here vegas doesn't think so vegas has oklahoma by about six points here very high scoring game expected here what do you think man yeah, I think those the, that line and like the over under feel pretty right to me. But really, I mean, what was Oklahoma last week? Seven point favorite, I think, when they lost out of Kansas. Uh, anytime a, a top team loses, it's it's a bit of a wake up call. You know, I think they come out a little less flat this week, but they also are a little banged up. Am I correct? Especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, sir. Um, so I do think you know they're not a they're they're a fine rush defense. You know, they're not like exploitable yeah. on that end, but. They're not a great rush defense and that, you know, you were talking earlier, Ollie Gordon and his, his uh, run of games here the past month or so. So I, I do think that Gordon, like, I think he can have another really nice game, you know, maybe not 275 yards and, and whatever else, but 
you know, 150 and two touchdowns, I think is very realistic for him. For sure. Um, and really just need a, a at least Oklahoma's receivers are not very good. And they, again, you know, Andrew Anthony's out like, but you know, I think any top 10 team relying on like Nick Anderson and Jaleel Farouk as their top two guys, like that's not a great group. So I do, I, I think they're going to struggle a little bit in this game to move the ball. They just, they don't have kind of the big play guys that some of these other top programs have right now. Nick Anderson, I think, is a big play guy, but again, he's a redshirt freshman. There's still some development that needs to happen there for him to be a consistent guy week to week. I mean, we saw them try to heavily involve him in the game coming out of the bye week, gave him 10 targets, and then this past week it was like three targets, if even that. Like it. Now, granted, weather played a big factor in the game against Kansas last week. They were not able to move the ball through the air whatsoever. Happened to be that Kansas' strength is rushing the ball, and... Oklahoma just kind of gave up some bad plays every once in a while. I mean, that 30-yard, that th- what was it, 38-yard run by Jason Bean, just complete bust on the Oklahoma defense. Like, it's not something you typically see coming out of a Brent Vettables defense. That was enough to change the game. I think you probably see a similar game here. Oklahoma, I think, you know, I think six points feels right about right for this game. I think Oklahoma wins by a touchdown. They kind of make a few less mistakes this week than they did the week before, and that's kind of what we're getting out of it. This Oklahoma backfield is kind of frustrating to me because, again, I, I recommended Tywee Walker this earlier this week because, man, I think they're finally going to give him the keys to the kingdom at, in that running backfield. Again, he's a former walk-on. You hate kind of, again, as a coach, you want to reward the players that are performing the best, but also from a recruiting standpoint, you definitely kind of twinge a little bit being like, I'm starting a walk-on over a bunch of four and five stars that I brought in for these recruiting classes. One, what does that say about my uh, evaluation ability? And then two, what does that say about or like what, what what does that say about the guys that I have here and everything like that or my ability to develop these guys but now he's questionable for this week and so it's I want I want to say he's a surefire start this week but man I college injuries man gotta love him oh yeah oh yeah all right moving on here Let's go to another SEC versus SEC matchup. LSU versus Alabama. Jaden Daniels and his two wide receivers there, Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas, have been just on a complete heater this year for fantasy. If you, if, if you, I know one guy who drafted LSU players constantly this offseason because he's an LSU fan and he is doing super well in a lot of these best ball leagues because Jaden Daniels has been like the clear QB1 this year like let me look at my stat sheet real quick i remember if i remember correctly he is ahead by a good margin even though he just had his bye week yeah he is caleb williams is 214 points total or excuse me 247 points total on the year daniels hasn't beat by almost 40 points like there's a massive gap between daniels and everybody else right now daniels has been super consistent and then i believe if I can pull up my wide receivers list right here, Malik Neighbors is the wide receiver one so far this year, and then Brian Thomas is in the top seven, and he has been top two at times this year. Like they've just been incredible. Does that come to an end here, Austin? You got Alabama over under of sixty points. Alabama only favored by three, so Vegas clearly thinks that LSU is still going to find points here. But this is still a very talented Alabama defense, probably more talented than anything LSU has been able to put up this year. Are you worried about Jaden Daniels this week starting him or any of like neighbors and Brian Thomas as well? I keep going back and forth on whether I'm being cute with considering benching Jaden Daniels because I do have some 
uh, I, I actually have a fair amount of Daniels from like four years ago when I thought he was, you know, like a you know high NFL draft guy and, and all that kind of stuff, just sitting around on benches and, and stuff. Um, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm debating and basically every single league I have him in because I think there are a lot of really good quarterback matchups this week. Like a lot, it seems like a lot of really good juicy quarterback matchups this week and his is not, but at the same time, would it shock you if he threw for 385 yards and three touchdowns and ran for two more and this game is like 41 38 that wouldn't shock me at all i i'm having a really hard time with that one i i don't have a good answer um but i do think i i think if i have a really good you know alternative i'm fine rolling with that even if i end up losing a couple of points uh at, at the end of the day if he does ball out against alabama his rushing ability, I think, might be better than any other quarterback in the country right now in, in terms of just fantasy performance. Like, there's probably other guys who, you know, have a little bit more wiggle to them, have a little bit more, like, athleticism to it. Now, not that Daniels isn't athletic, obviously, but, like, in terms of just what he's actually able to create on the ground on a week-by-week basis with him running the ball being very clearly part of the game plan here for LSU, him finding the end zone whenever they get down near the five yard line. It's just so hard for me to sit him like, yes, he might come out of this game with only two or three touchdowns. That's still a pretty good fantasy day. And with the rushing floor, he's probably going to get in this game, probably around 60 yards. I would imagine like that's the floor. I think if he comes out of this game with 28 fantasy points, yeah, it's not the heaters that he's thrown some of these weeks, but I wouldn't hate myself for starting him out of that. And he had a pretty solid year a week against them last year too. Oh, yeah. um, the touchdown saved him again, like you said. You know, he only threw for 182 yards, but two passing touchdowns and had 95 yards and a touchdown on the ground too. So I mean, there's, you know, I think there's there's a there we have the evidence there that he he can be have at least you know a, a, a solid day against Alabama. Well, here's the other thing that I, I found recently. I, I think it might have been Chris Hummer pointed this out at on one of his two four seven articles. Do you know how many? quarterbacks have beaten Nick Saban twice or who the last one was to beat him twice did Stetson beat him twice no Stetson only beat him once the last quarterback to beat them twice I actually think I should know this go ahead is this it makes for terrible radio if I don't know this Drew Brees back back when Nick Saban coached at Michigan State Saban's really good at when he gets you twice, he can really shut down your quarterback the second time. So that's kind of the other thing I kind of throw out there, maybe to kind of scare the Jane Daniels owners just a little bit more this week. I don't know. I shouldn't because I'm starting Jane Daniels in the one league that I have him. So like, all right, moving Jaden Daniels to the bench. I'm sold. Okay. <laughs> don't care. All right. One last game we'll talk about here going out West. The, a fantasy player's dream, right? Over under six or 76. The, the favorite team only favored by three and a half points. Both of these teams basically expected to score in the high 30s, easily probably get into the 40s. Shoot, if Cal's able to put up 49 on this defense, this offense should be able to put up 50, 56 plus. Washington versus USC. What else is there to say in this game besides start everyone you got, probably? I mean, maybe you, you're a little bit more picky and choosy about the USC wide receivers that you're throwing out there. Um, I again, Taj Washington, Brandon Rice, those guys I definitely start. Dorian Singer at this point, I think it's pretty clear that he's not that dude for USC. Mario Williams obviously sit him, but all the regular guys, I don't, I don't see how you sit any of them in this game. 
What about Jalen McMillan, Austin? How are you kind of navigating that situation? Because it's been a frustrating situation the last couple of weeks because he keeps going out there to play, and then he does nothing because they sit him after like three plays, and you can't even auto-sub him in the leagues yeah. that you're putting him in. So how are you navigating that? Yeah, I think... Um, so I hate the auto-sub feature. Um, I adore it. So I uh, really have appreciated a couple of these games recently where they're like game time decisions and people are like, I'll just throw him in my starting lineup and whatever, you know, if he doesn't play and they get burned because there's just no skill to doing that at all, in my opinion. Um, I would bench him. I would there's not no play skill in, in, in predicting what a coach is going to do with a player, to be fair. I, I Usually if they're a game time decision, I'm just not playing them. I just quoted yeah. flat out like I, I just feel like you get burned way more often the other direction than, than that one so I, I'm not playing them this week I, I wouldn't play them at all I, I'm fine rolling out Polk I'm fine rolling out Adunze um, it sounds like Bernard's a little banged up or, or was at the end of the game so yes. he might not even be as effective like it might just be a two-man show essentially so uh, Dylan yeah, was, Johnson a guy I was, I was, a guy We'll be, we'll be talking about him in a sit start here in a minute here. Like I, I, I have specifically included him in one of the questions tonight because I knew you're going to want to talk about him. Man, I thought I thought he was ready to get going here at the end of the season. Then he had that kind of rough game against Arizona State, but yeah. again, we'll talk about that here in a minute. All right, that's enough of the games here. Let's go get started on the things that you guys really want us to talk about. That is the sit starts for this week. Let me go ahead and put our little guys back here uh, i think i messed that up all right let's go ahead and put the first thing on the board here so i can actually put these icons in the correct place yep completely messed that up all righty we got our first question here this one comes to us from lawrence on twitter he is asking us to decide between three quarterbacks here we got byron brown quarterback out of south florida going up against memphis we got drake may quarterback out of unc going up against campbell a fcs team or we can go with Garrett Green, quarterback out of West Virginia, going up against BYU. Lawrence, you got three great options here. Part of the reason why I specifically chose this question, because this is a legitimately hard discussion here. Part of me initially thought, okay, Byron Brown, he's still kind of coming off the injury, hasn't performed as well the last couple of weeks. But the more I kind of looked at it, man, this is a good matchup. If there's a get-right game for Byron Brown to kind of get himself back into top fantasy production here, this is the game you're looking at right here. He's going up against Memphis this weekend. They're 113th versus the pass, 102nd versus the run. I mean, could be a big Naquan Wright game here and everything like that, but Brown wants to run. It's very clear before his injury. like He loves running. It's part of his game. I think that this is the game where he really bounces back. It's hard to really choose one guy over the others here. He just happens to have, I think, the best matchup here. Green has a good matchup with BYU, but they're 66 versus the pass, 90th versus the rush. So he's probably still going to have a good game. I don't think you're going to go wrong with any of these guys. And then May versus UNC, he's the number one quarterback in our projections this week for uh, on campusacanton.com. So I don't blame you if you go with him either. It's just always kind of a risk, especially this late in the season, in terms of rolling out a guy against an FCS team here. He could throw for five touchdowns. You're Gucci, you're good to go. Or he could throw two touchdowns. Amari Hampton runs for three, and bada-bing, bada-boom, you're done. So I'm going to go with Brown. He plays the whole game, has the best defensive matchup. Memphis is a good enough offense. is going to force them to score. I'm going to roll with that. Austin, who are you going to roll with? 
Yeah, I also like Brown here, and Drake, that Drake May uh, matchup feels like the uh, the the you know kind of like trickiest like oh Campbell he's gonna light him up and this could just 100% be an Amari and Hampton day it's over by 20 minutes into it I don't even think Campbell is a great team by like FCS standards so um yeah I mean I I uh I I like Brown I think that game ends up turning into a shootout I think you they'll need him a lot longer um so yeah no I, I agree with you what about Green what are your thoughts on him real quick um I don't strong thoughts either way. I, I think that BYU is definitely an exploitable defense. I like, I just think anything that you're pointing to and saying Garrett green can pull off in this game, you know, can he have a pretty decent rushing floor? Yes. I think Byron Browns is higher. Can he throw for, you know, can he throw on BYU? Yeah, I think you definitely can. I think Byron Brown can throw on Memphis more. Like, I just think like anything you can say about green this week, I think Brown kind of has the advantage in those categories. So Lawrence, if you're listening to this real quick, I will I will say this. I'm for Brown. I have him as my starter here. If you're going for upside, go with Brown. If you want safety, I go with Green. Green has been very safe over the last couple of weeks. In week five, twenty five point six eight fantasy points, week seven forty, week eight, twenty nine, week nine, twenty nine. Like he is a soup like it's very clear. He's gonna get you twenty five to thirty to five fantasy points. On, a, on just a regular day. So if you're looking for safety, that's the guy to go with. Brown, I think, is the guy that you can use to hit a potential 45, 50-point game if that's going to happen. So that's kind of my thought process on it. Let's move our tokens back real quick. There we go. And move on to our second question here. This one comes to us from Mr. Tyler Cox. He is asking us to decide between three quarterbacks here as well. Jaden Daniels, who we just talked about in that game against Alabama, or we can go with Dylan Gabriel, who's going up against his arch rival in Oklahoma State. Or we can go Drew Alar, the quarterback out of Penn State. Austin's going to throw this one over to you, sir. Which two are you going to start here? Yeah, I think it, it absolutely has to be Daniels and Gabriel. I personally, at this stage in the season, uh, just know what Drew Alar's usage is. And it's not fantasy relevant, really, at this stage. If he just like like he's a mobile guy, I wouldn't really call him like a, a a pure runner. He hasn't gone over 27 rush yards in a game this year. And I think nope. everything else being equal, that itself is just a huge separator between these guys that you know Gabriel and Daniels are probably gonna pick you up at least one rushing touchdown, probably at least 50, 60 yards on the ground. Like that floor is just so tough to overcome. Uh, although Maryland has apparently given up on their season. Um, so you know, but uh, yeah, I, I think those other two guys are just so much better options. You know what Alar is? He reminds me of a ton. Freshman year Jake from for Georgia. Have some decent games here and there. Never a fantasy option. Because you know, like again, he'll have a safe floor. Aller's been what I expect him to be this year. I said before the season, I'm like, this guy is going to be a 20 to 22 fantasy point per game guy. And that's exactly what he's been. He, he's averaging 21.3 fantasy points in four passing touchdown leagues. He is just... You throw him out there if you have no other better options. I think what Tyler is kind of questioning here is kind of what we talked about at the very beginning of the show. Is like, well, Daniels is going up against Alabama. Do you trust that? Daniels could be starting against the Chicago 1985 Bears, and I would still start him over Drew Alar because the upside is just way higher there. I just I I think there's a like a, a Grand Canyon 
between the potential of Drew Allar and Jaden Daniels, no matter what the matchups are. So I got to be rolling with Jaden Daniels. And then Dylan Gabriel, shootout game versus Oklahoma State. Give me that every single time. This one, to me, is a pretty clear pretty clear one. All right. Move our icons back, and let's go to our running backs questions. This one comes to us from Mr. James Riddle, hopefully not related to Tom Riddle. Uh, start one of these running backs here in a full PPR league. We got LaDamian Webb, running back out of South Alabama, going up against Troy. We have Trey Benson, the running back out of Florida State, going up against Pitt. Or we can go Kanye Roberts, the running back out of Appalachian State, going up against Marshall. Clear third place here, in my opinion. Mostly because I've just learned not to trust anybody going up against this defense for the most part. And that is LaDamian Webb. You're going to sit down here today, sir. You've been fantastic the last couple of weeks. Your volume is great. Man, this Troy defense really is just on a different level compared to most G5 programs. I think they could give, a, again, I think they could give a lot of Power 5 teams a real run for their money. Obviously, they didn't do it against Kansas State, but Kansas State really has a lot better of an offense that people are kind of giving them credit for. Anyway, I'm not trusting South Alabama players for the most part this week. Where I can, I'm sitting them, so LaDamian Webb is included in that. Benson and Roberts is a little bit a little bit closer because, again, you have ups and downs with both of these guys. Benson, ultimate Mr. Consist- inconsistent this week, or this year. We thought that he was going to have... What how he ended last year was going to be the entire year this year, and that's just not how it's been. Florida State has a ton of weapons now; they don't have to rely on him as much. Shoot, Travis thinks he's in the running for the Heisman for some reason, so they're going to run him a thousand times in the red zone, and he's going to score all the rushing touchdowns for the most part. I mean, Benson really hasn't scored touchdowns outside of receiving touchdowns really over the last couple of weeks. Here, he is just not the guy that they're looking to feature in this offense. But between him and Kanye Roberts, Roberts, I think, has the potential to be, in the future, the bell cow back for Appalachian State. We saw that he gets, like, over the last couple of weeks, he gets the volume that you need him to. But we also saw last week, Nate Noel came back. Granted, very little, but another week has passed here. If Nate Noel is back, does that cut too much into Roberts for you to really feel good about him, even though he is going up against Marshall, who's 113th versus the Rush? I still think I'm going to roll with Benson here. I, I kind of hate it because I'm really sick and tired of kind of trying to play the guessing game of which weeks Benson's going to go off, which one's not. But the split backfield with Kanye Roberts is going to be just, just enough to really kind of keep me away from that situation. And I'll roll with Benson because I think, honestly, as well, Florida State's can put up a ton of points on this Pitt Panthers defense. No offense, Austin. So. None taken. Speaking of Austin, throw it over to you now, sir. Which one of these three are you going with? The the things that concern me about uh, concern you about Benson also concern me. I do think there are a couple other factors that also work against Benson. Um, Pitt actually like they're not amazing against the rush, but they haven't been like you know demolished by a team's RB one. And no, I think they're part of that's they're part of that's because they're blown out by halftime, yeah. and so the backups in, um, which I think could to happen in this game as well um so i you know i i'm gonna say benson because i do think noel plays this week it sounds like he was pretty close last week um but if you what time are their kickoffs do you know by any chance is one of those like if they're if they're close in kickoff time and you can kind of wait and see 
I'm I might try to hold out. The pick game's at three thirty. Here, keep talking, Austin. I'll, I'll look it up real quick. <laughs> and the Marshall game's at six. Uh, okay. So you you'll probably have to decide before then. Yeah, then I'll say Benson, but pay attention and see if any early news comes out. Yeah, for sure. If you start here, if you start hearing that Nate Noel is going to sit another week and everything like that, or they're going to keep him super limited, I probably would go Kanye Roberts at that point. Because yeah. again, the matchup's better. It's just keep your ear to the ground on this one, James. All right. Next one here comes to us from Ty Myers. Three running backs here. Got Kai Robichaux going up against Syracuse. We got Audric Estime running back on Notre Dame going up against Clemson. Or we got your boy Austin Dylan Johnson running back in Washington going up against that USC defense. Throw it over to you, man. Which which guy are you starting here? Is is Pat Garwell like done for the year or what's his deal? He's at, not at done Boston for College? the year, but it, it sounds like that like Well, I would I would argue this. He hurt his ankle, which is always going to be something where that could be a one-week deal. And he was out last week. It, it could easily turn into a three-, four-week deal. So we'll see what happens there. But even before that point, Robichaux was taking over the RB1 role for Boston College. Garwish is not a good running back whatsoever. I think Robichaux is clearly above him. If they're worried about Garwo coming back and potentially re-injuring him, I think they're going to keep him on the bench as long as they can. And just kind of let Robichaud do his thing. Okay, so yeah, I, I think, man, this, this is a really tough one. I I actually would be tempted to go with Estime because I think his touch floor and how they want to run their offense at Notre Dame, like I just think no matter what the game plan is going to flow through him. So he mm-hmm. might not have a huge yards per carry kind of average, but go for 22 carries for like 105 yards and two touchdowns or something like that. I, I think that's very much in the realm of possibility. I just never know how they're going to use Dylan Johnson on a week to week basis. Mm-hmm. Like really, I, I think it really is kind of a question mark. If they can get up early, you know, maybe we see more of him if they're chasing, maybe not. I just I would feel more comfortable putting Estime in there just because I know what his role is this week and I, I kind of know what to expect and I just value that so highly when I'm making my start sit decisions each week. No, I think that's a great way to think about it. And honestly, it's not the way I went about this question, but I think it is something that people have to consider. Like when you're fighting for a playoff spot, going with guys you know exactly what they're going to do on a week by week basis might be the safe play to go with sometimes. Now, if you're going up against, say, like I am in one league where you're fighting for a bye week and you happen to be matched up with the number one team in your league who's been an absolute monster, then I'm going to go with a guy like Dylan Johnson, where you're right. It is very inconsistent on a week-by-week basis. How are they using it? But if they're chasing points or they're just not doing well at all on offense, Johnson's going to suffer greatly there. I mean, shoot, he averaged less than a yard per carry against Arizona State a couple weeks ago. Like, it it was absolutely, absolutely brutal there. But then he comes back the very next week, 18 touches, 87 yards, no touchdowns there. But he's got the USC defense. That is a matchup you love to exploit. Even if they're in a shootout, USC is probably one of the worst defenses in the country when it comes to giving up explosive runs specifically. Like, so many, so many great running backs have been had monster games against USC. I think I'm still going to lean towards that, although I think you bring up a good point about SMA where, like, yes, the per-carry numbers are probably not going to be great for SMA, but 
You know when Notre Dame gets within that 10-yard line, who are they going to give it to? Estimate to find the, those last 10 yards right there. And so, no Mitchell Evans anymore either. So that is another, you know, kind of very true option point. on that offense that, that they don't have anymore. Yeah. And then Robichaud, I think, is a fine, a fine play as well. I think all three of these guys kind of fit different molds depending on what strategy you're kind of playing in. If you want super, uber safe, know exactly what they're going to do. SMA, if you want kind of an in-between safe kind of upside guy, probably go Kyle Robichaud because that Syracuse defense is pretty, um, pretty civvy. And then Dylan Johnson, ultimate upside play. You know he can get the volume if you need him to, but we'll see. All right, Icon's back here. Let's go ahead and move on to a third running back question. I surprised you guys with a third running back question this week because so many of you guys asked running back questions, and quite frankly, a lot of them were really good. So I decided to knock off the tight ends this week, and we're just going to answer a third running back question because that's what you guys wanted to hear about this week. I know he is, but... Let's be real. The, the the tight end the situation in CFF has just gotten to be a huge mess. Like I I stopped giving waiver wires for them because I'm like I your your gut feel is going to be as good as my gut feel at this point with all these tight ends because we can't keep a single guy healthy outside of Dallin Holker. Fingers crossed. So who knows? Anyway, last RB question here. This one comes to us from Brian Lotion. Lotion. Sorry, Brian. Not sure how to pronounce your last name there. Regardless, you're asking us to, to decide between two running backs here, LaQuint Allen running back out of Syracuse or Jaquindon Jackson running back out of Utah. Two guys who are on offenses that are, shall we say, very disappointing this year. Uh, both for varying reasons. Obviously, Utah loses Cam Rising. They haven't been able to have him all year. They probably won't have him at any point this year, and the backup options have been inconsistent at best for them. But... You do have Quinton Jackson finally kind of coming back from health after a very rough start to the year. They kind of let him rest for a bit. He's come back. He's had himself a pretty solid group of games over the last couple of weeks outside of the Oregon game where things just got out of hand super quickly. But against Cal, 22 carries, 94 yards, a touchdown. Against USC, 26 carries, 117 yards, no touchdowns in that game. But that's the volume you want to see out of the top running back out of Utah. Now, obviously, Sion Vaki has kind of made his presence known there as well with his explosive ability, probably can steal a few touchdowns away from Jaquindon Jackson. But I think out of these two, between Jaquindon Jackson and Quinton Allen, I'm still going to go Jackson, mostly because I've been far too burned out of the Syracuse offense the last couple of weeks. They are now in a prove-it mode for me. I'm not starting Quinton Allen until... Uh, unless one i have literally no other options because you know he still catches the ball he still gets a decent amount of volume there but until i see this offense kind of starting to you know act like an offense again and get him those touchdown opportunities i'm still going to go with the guy in utah who goes up against arizona state this weekend they're 19th versus the rush and we saw again with dylan johnson that they were able to kind of shut him down as well so i'm a little bit hesitant there with that but I still trust Utah to score a little bit more than Syracuse at this point, even though Syracuse is going up against Boston College. Maybe it's a get-right game for them. I'm splitting hairs here. I think I'll still go with Jackson. What about you, Austin? Yeah, if you just really twisted my arm and made me choose one, I would I would probably take Jackson. But I do... I kind of like LaQuinn Allen's... Generally, his receiving floor kind of makes him safe. Um 
which which is you know always kind of nice. But yeah, I, I lean Jackson here for for most of the reasons you just said. I I I don't envy either. You know, choosing either of these guys feels like a, a tough one. Um, what what probably sure. makes a lot of sense, Brian. I forgot to ask you if this is a PPR league or not. But if it's a non PPR league, I go with Jackson. If it is a PPR league, I go with Allen. Because even if Allen doesn't find the end zone. He catches five balls. That's basically the same as scoring a touchdown. So, because, you know, weird PPR logic. So, let's go ahead and move back to these icons. And let's go ahead and move on to our wide receiver questions here. This one comes to us from Stephen Ockenhouse. He's asking us to start one wide receiver out of this bunch here. Colin Lacey going up against Troy. Or we can go, uh, is it Jabre or Jaber? I don't know, actually. Anyway, uh, we'll say Jaber. Jaber Barber, the wide receiver out of Troy, going up against South Alabama. Battle of those two right there. And then the last one here, Elijah Surratt, the wide receiver out of Georgia. Or excuse me, wide receiver out of James Madison going up against Georgia State this weekend. Austin, throwing it over to you first, man. Who are you starting out of these three? My first inkling is to take just Colin Lacey. I know the game is going to be slowed down. I know that, um, you know, there's not a lot of scoring potential in this game, but Lacey is, you know, not, not a huge, like he's kind of used around the line of scrimmage. Like he's almost like a safety blanket. He gets a ton of volume. Like, I think if this is a PPR league, which it doesn't say on here, uh, I, I think you just have to take Lacey just because of the, the, the target floor is so nice with him. He hasn't, He's had one game. He's he's had two games below nine targets this year, and none since week three against Oklahoma State. Like the guy just gets peppered pretty much all game, regardless. So that that's what makes him attractive to me. I know Surratt has been hot lately, um, uh, past couple weeks, and and this is a cake matchup. So I I don't blame anybody for this one. You know, if you're if your general approach to start sits is just what game is going to score the most. And do I kind of want a piece of that action Then I definitely get the Surratt pick, but I just lean Lacey. Cause I just, I, I know he's probably going to have seven or eight catches this week. And if, and if it's, you know, 70 yards and you throw a touchdown there, like that's, that's kind of what you want to see out of him. Would it change your mind at all, Austin? If one of two things happen, one, Carter Bradley comes back from his injury last week, but plays injured. Or the true freshman there, Giovanni Lopez, starts for the Jaguars. Would either of those things kind of take you off Lacey a little bit more, especially against a Troy defense? The the freshman or the 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 un the unexperienced starter would worry me a little bit. Yeah, it, it definitely would. Uh, and in that case, if that were to happen, I, I would probably lean Surratt. Cool. Yeah, it was just something I had back in the back of my mind there. Again, another reason why I'm a little bit off of South Alabama players this week, not only just because of Troy, but also the, the uncertainty at the quarterback position. They say Bradley's going to start this week, but again, ankle injury this past week. I'm a little bit hesitant in terms of how that impacts guys, especially guys who typically run, kind of move around to get guys open, like a guy like Bradley. We'll see. Anyway, who am I starting in this game? I am going the opposite of Austin here. He giving you the other side here. I'm going Elijah Surratt against that Georgia State defense. 111th versus the pass there. Much higher scoring game, most likely between James Madison and Georgia State there. Like I said, I just want a piece of that action. Maybe he doesn't have the volume that Colin Lacey has been getting. 
still better than uh, Barber there at Troy. I think I think Barber is clearly the third place guy here because Troy doesn't love to pass touchdowns to their receivers, except for last week. Last week was weird where they just decided to go almost full air raid, and Kamani Vidal got completely screwed in that game. Anyway, Surratt's the guy I'm going to pick here. I'm feeling pretty good about that. So, next question here, going to Mr. Mike Lagos. Got three wide receivers here. In my opinion, three excellent choices at wide receiver for this week. Caleb Hood going up against Texas State. Or we can go Lincoln Victor, the wide receiver out of Washington State, going up against Stanford. Or we can go Monterey Baldwin, the wide receiver out of Baylor, going up against Houston. I think of these three guys, Baldwin, as much as I touted him earlier this week, he's an excellent start this week. I like this matchup. Houston's 100 versus the pass. He's averaging almost 10, yard, 10 targets per game over his last three games. In any other league, he'd be a clear start for me this week. I actively targeted him on the waiver wire this week because of the matchups he's getting over the next couple of weeks and just how on fire he has been. But compare this to Lincoln Victor and Caleb Hood. Caleb Hood's been averaging 12.3 targets per game over the last three games. Victor, in his two games since he's come back and has fully played, averaging 16.5 targets per game over the last two games. Now, granted, part of that comes from a massive 20-target game he had two weeks ago. But even still, like they're still kind of leaps and bounds better than Baldwin in terms of the target. Now, how do I differentiate between Hood and Texas State? It's hard. It's legitimately hard because, again, they both have great matchups. Texas State, 109th versus the pass versus Lincoln Victor's going up against Stanford, 133rd versus pass. Literally dead last in the country. But here's the, here's the thing. like This is where I'm going back and forth here. Caleb Hood versus Texas State. Texas State's going to score probably more than Stanford does for the most part. Now, Washington State does have a leaky secondary, so maybe Stanford's able to kind of find that passing game they had against Colorado a couple weeks ago. But I trust Texas State to force Caleb Hood and that offense to score a little bit more potentially there versus, you know, Washington State. They score maybe four touchdowns and like, all right, let's run the ball the rest of the game here because Stanford can't get anything going because that's how inconsistent their offense has been. All that to say, I'm still going to lean Victor here. I think Victor, just the insane volume he's gotten over the last couple of weeks. I mentioned it to start. Washington State probably potentially scores Four touchdowns to start the game. Maybe they run the rest of the rest of the time. I trust Victor to be at least one of those four touchdowns. Have the insane volume we have on those first couple of drives. He should be good to go. It's a hard choice. This is legitimately three great options. Austin, your thoughts, man? You are muted, sir. Of course I am. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Victor or Hood are the obvious two options. And it's one of those situations where like, I wouldn't even lose sleep over this decision. I would just stick one of them in my lineup and you're probably going to be fine. I would love to know what the, this person's other options are. That's what I was, just, I was literally just thinking. <laughs> I was literally just thinking. I'm like, I want to know like who else are you have here, dude? Because like this is like, there's no reason why Hood or Victor should be ending up on your bench this week. I mean, like I said, Baldwin to me is like a clear start in literally any other league. So I, I want to know who else you got, Mike. Like DM me after 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 you listen to this episode because like I'm legitimately curious. Maybe maybe this is just some uh, humble brag from him right here. All right. We got two more questions here. We got Mr. Ben Wagner here with a flex question. He's got Elijah Badger, the wide receiver out of Arizona State, going up against Utah this week. Or he can go Derwin Burgess, the wide receiver out of Georgia Southern. 
going up against Texas State, or he can go Quinshawn Judkins, the running back out of Ole Miss, going up against Texas A&M here. Austin, throwing it over to you first, man. Who are you going with? This is a full PPR league, by the way. Yeah, the full PPR, I think, uh, turns it to Burgess for me, um, who actually, over the past month or so, really hasn't been amazing. He's actually been really touchdown dependent, uh, especially in PPR leagues. You know, over, over the past four games, seven, four, four, and five catches. Uh, not great when you can find a guy like, uh, you know, like Kenneth Womack or something who's, yeah. you know, getting. 10 for 60 every week. And you know, that, that there's, there's points right there. Um, so I, I, I lean Burgess. I, I hate Judkins matchup this week, but I also do think that if I, I, I can see him scoring a couple of gritty touchdowns in this game, you know, goal line stuff, catching a couple passes and having a really nice floor. So it's probably Burgess very barely over Judkins and then Badger would be a distant third for me with that matchup against Utah. Yeah, no, Badger does not belong in the same stratosphere as these other two in terms of an option here. I think Badger, like, again, the Arizona State offense hasn't been great. It's a bad matchup against a Utah defense that despite all of Utah's problems this year, they are still able to have a lockdown defense there. So very clear sit for me there. Between Judkins and Burgess, I'm going to be with you. I'll go Burgess, but it's kind of similar to one of the questions earlier where what are you looking for here, Ben? Are you looking for the safe option or are you looking for the upside option? I think Burgess is the upside option here. I think he is the guy that against this Texas State defense, which as I mentioned before, is 109th in the country versus the pass, so a bottom 30 defense in the country. When it comes to the air, I think he has the potential to hit a, at least one or two long ones in this game. Don't even need that many targets for him to have an excellent game here versus Judkins. He's going to have the volume. Ole Miss is going to want to rely on him for the most part. Again, obviously, Texas A&M, for as much as their defense has been great against the rush, has a very leaky secondary. So maybe that does kind of take Judkins out a little bit. But like you said, Austin, when they get down to within five yards, it's going to be one or two people that are getting the ball. It's going to be either Judkins or it's going to be Dart. I think they're going to get within five yards of the end zone enough times to where Judkins probably finds the end zone one or two times in this game, providing a super safe floor there. So... Burgess for the upside, Judkins for the floor there. All right, put the icons up there and then put the icons right back. All right, last question here. This one comes to us from Mr. Kyle Jackson. He's asking us between one running back and two wide receivers here in the flex, half PPR league, and he wants us to start two. Austin, he wants us to start two people here. We got Travion Henderson, the running back of Ohio State, going up against Rutgers. Or we can go Brian Thomas, the wide receiver out of LSU, going up against Alabama. Or we can go with Kyle Williams, the wide receiver out of Washington State, who is going up against Stanford, as we just mentioned a second ago. Three great options here. Three studs at different points during this year. Obviously, Henderson's been banged up. But since he came back, I mean, last week against Wisconsin, 24 carries, 162 yards, and a touchdown. That's what we want to see out of the top Ohio State running back. Again, they, we've been worried so much this year about them splitting the, the touches between him, Trip Cheyunum, Mayan Williams. Well, unfortunately, Mayan Williams is now done for the season. That kind of op opens up a little bit more opportunity for Henderson, especially with Trip Cheyunum being a little bit banged up. Dallin Hayden's kind of sitting there in the wings a little bit, so I have to imagine that he'll probably get involved a little bit this week. But 
it still was a great sign that last week against Wisconsin, which is supposedly usually a pretty good rushing defense there, Henderson was still able to average almost seven yards per carry, got 24 touches, kind of started to look a little bit like the running back we were kind of expecting him to be all this time here. And so he's one of my starts here. Yes, Rutgers is 40th versus the rush, but it's one of those things where I'm just going to bet on the talent here. I think that Ohio State is probably going to have one of their better games of the year against Rutgers here. I think that Henderson's going to be a huge part of it, kind of getting that ground game going a little bit, maybe open some things up for the passing game. I'll bet on the I'll bet on the talent there. Now, what to do with these two wide receivers over here? Brian Thomas, as I mentioned earlier, top seven wide receiver on the year over here. But you guys know me. I love that volume. I love those opportunities. Thomas is super explosive. He is absolutely incredible for those long touchdown plays that can absolutely flip a fantasy matchup in a heartbeat if you have him out there. But against Alabama, seeing that he can have a bus game, I mean, look at his game against Auburn a couple weeks ago where he had two receptions for seven yards. That's in his realm of possibility. And again, I think he'll, again, he's probably still going to have a good week this week because of just how potent that passing game is for LSU. But when you give me Kyle Williams, who has seen 11 targets, 11 targets, 7 targets, and 12 targets over the last four games against the worst passing defense in the country, and in his first four games of the year scored one touchdown every single game, hasn't scored a touchdown since, he cannot keep getting that kind of volume, like 10-plus targets in a game every single week and not get a touchdown this week. If there is a touchdown prop out there for Kyle Williams scoring a touchdown against Stanford, I would take it. He's getting his this weekend. I'm rolling with him. So give me Henderson. Give me Williams. Austin, what are you doing, man? It's it's tough because we don't know how Nick Saban's going to deploy those corners against Neighbors and Thomas. I would assume he's going to put Kool-Aid McKinstry on Neighbors, but I don't know that for sure. You know, Maybe he puts him on Thomas and then kind of brackets Neighbors since he can move all over the place a little bit. I'm going to say, it, it, since it's half PPR, and with Williams' uh, difficulties finding the end zone, I, I'm going to I'm going to take Brian Thomas in this one and Travion Henderson because I think Thomas. We've talked about you know LSU's probably going to be able to score some points. It, it's pretty much impossible to slow them down, and as long as they've been in close games this year, for the most part, like that's when he's been effective. It's like when the score starts getting out of control, then he you know doesn't really do so much. Close game. I expect seven or eight targets in this one probably five or six catches. And I think he gets at least a touchdown. And I think that's really what's going to set him apart from Williams, who just, you know, like you said, you know, he, he very well might score this week. I just like, you know, I, I feel better about Brian Thomas finding the end zone this week versus him. Touchdowns in many ways are luck, but also you can kind of predict when players are going to see a regression to the mean. Like I said, Williams was getting less targets the first four games of the season and was finding the end zone. Then his targets uptick and he hasn't found the end zone since then. That is just not something that typically happens. And so I feel like as we get into the last four games of the season here, hopefully Washington State's offense kind of clicks back into what we've seen them be to start the season. I think Williams is going to find the end zone this week. Again, I, I, would, I would bet money on it. So that is the last of our questions there. And honestly, we made great time here, Austin. I was a little worried when we got to 30 minutes and we were still kind of discussing some of the games there. But nope, we made great time through those questions. Probably could have thrown in a few more. 
um, but didn't make those graphics. So it, sorry. It leads credence to the theory that Colin is the chatterbox on Campus Life, and hence the reason why those episodes are so long. And I am not. It, it just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I, I've had to rein myself in over the last over the last year because I get I especially like I've noticed like if you put me on the same podcast as somebody else who's a chatterbox, like say like Eric Froton or something like that, those can go two hours. Those will go every two hours. any show with Eric Froton can go two hours. Yeah, it's the, great. The man will it's bring great, it out but of like you. man, it's 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 hard it's hard to reel in both people at the same time. Um, that is one thing I've tried to work on over the last couple of, couple of months is uh, trying to be a bit more concise in what I say. And also not tripping over my words as much. Still working on that one. Anyway, Austin, thanks for coming on, man. Again, appreciate you coming on. Uh, kind of last minute here with uh, Justin hopping out for some fun Halloween stuff. Uh, hope Justin, if you're listening to this, hope you're having a great time, man. Uh, hopefully, we can finally be back together on the same show next week. We, uh, again, missed the whole month of October, and we'll get back to our competition next week. Austin, anything you want to throw out there? Um, any sneak previews on what Campus Kent might be doing over the next couple of months here? Anything you're doing that's kind of fun? What do you want to tell the people? Uh, we've started writing up the freshman supplemental guide already for next year. So that uh, that that's a go again for 2024. And we have a new tool that we're releasing. Uh, we're going to release it next year, but I believe we're giving it to our NIL members starting like very soon to play around with for the next two or three months at least by themselves. So uh, there you go. If you're not a, not a member or not an NIL member, you want to see what's going on. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of kind of, I'm not going to get too specific, but roster management type tools for NFL fantasy, none really out there for college. I think we've, uh, I think we've cracked the code a little bit there for you guys. Ooh, I, I was just about to ask you, Mike, you got to give us a little something as to what it's going to help with. That's all I can do. But, but hey, no, that, it, you, that, was, that was perfect. And I think roster management absolutely is something that the fantasy community for college definitely needs. So definitely be excited about that. Go and join the NIL tier so you can become one of our little guinea pigs and help us out with that. Because again, we do, we do take feedback. Like we love our NIL members because they always provide fantastic feedback before we release it out to the public. And if you, if you want to make your voice heard, again, we love that feedback. So again, join the NIL tier, get yourself involved in the Discord, make your voice heard. It's a lot of fun. Again, Austin, thanks for coming on, man. We got a great week of games ahead of us here. Good luck to every one of you guys out there. Again, a lot of you are fighting for playoff spots this week. Fingers crossed. Best of luck to all of you. I wish every single one of you could win your games this week, but unfortunately, statistically, half of you are going to lose. So we'll be here to pick up the pieces next week for all of you guys with some waiver wire pickups and another round of sit starts. Until then, appreciate all of you guys, and I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week. See y'all.